Section eight of the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume three, Lectures, Part one, Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lecture one, Shakespeare, Part sixteen. Some have insisted that Shakespeare must have been a physician for the reason that he shows such knowledge of medicine of the symptoms of disease and death was so familiar with the brain and with insanity in all its forms i do not think he was a physician he knew too much his generalizations were too splendid he had none of the prejudices of that profession in his time we might as well say that he was a musician a composer because we find in the two gentlemen of verona nearly every musical term known in shakespeare's time Others maintain that he was a lawyer, perfectly acquainted with the forms, with the expressions familiar to that profession. Yet there is nothing to show that he was a lawyer or that he knew more about law than any intelligent man should know. He was not a lawyer. His sense of justice was never dulled by reading English law. Some think that he was a botanist because he named nearly all known plants. Others that he was an astronomer, a naturalist because he gave hints and suggestions of nearly all discoveries. Some have thought that he must have been a sailor, for the reason that the orders given in the opening of the tempest were the best they could under the circumstances have been given to save the ship. For my part, I think there is nothing in the place to show that he was a lawyer, doctor, botanist, or scientist. He had the observant eyes that really see, the ears that really hear, the brain that retains all pictures, all thoughts, logic as unerring as light, the imagination that supplies defects and builds the perfect from a fragment. And these faculties, these aptitudes, working together, account for what he did. He exceeded all the sons of men in the splendor of his imagination. To him the whole world paid tribute, and nature poured her treasures at his feet. In him all races lived again, and even those to be were pictured in his brain he was a man of imagination that is to say of genius and having seen a leaf and a drop of water he could construct the forests the rivers and the seas and in his presence all the cataracts would fall and foam the mists rise the clouds form and float if shakespeare knew one fact he knew its kindred and its neighbors looking at a coat of mail he instantly imagined the society the conditions that produced it and what it in turn produced he saw the castle the moat the drawbridge the lady in the tower and the knightly lover spurring across the plain he saw the bold baron and the rude retainer the trampled serf and all the glory and the grief of feudal life he lived the life of all he was a citizen of athens in the days of pericles he listened to the eager eloquence of the great orators and sat upon the cliffs and with the tragic poet heard the multitudinous laughter of the sea he saw socrates thrust the spear of question through the shield and heart of falsehood he was present when the great man drank hemlock and met the night of death tranquil as a star meets morning he listened to the peripatetic philosophers and was unpuzzled by the sophists he watched phidias as he chiselled shapeless stone to forms of love and awe he lived by the mysterious nile 
amid the vast and monstrous he knew the very thought that wrought the form and features of the sphinx he heard great memnon's morning song when marble lips were smitten by the sun he laid him down with the embalmed and waiting dead and felt within their dust the expectation of another life mingled with cold and suffocating doubts the children born of long delay he walked the ways of mighty rome and saw great caesar with his legions in the field he stood with vast and motley throngs and watched the triumphs given to victorious men followed by uncrowned kings the captured hosts and all the spoils of ruthless war he heard the shout that shook the Colosseum's roofless walls when from the reeling gladiator's hand the short sword fell while from his bosom gushed the stream of wasted life he lived the life of savage men he trod the forest's silent depths and in the desperate game of life or death he matched his thought against the instinct of the beast he knew all crimes and all regrets all virtues and their rich rewards he was victim and victor pursuer and pursued outcast and king he heard the applause and curses of the world and on his heart had fallen all the nights and noons of failure and success he knew the unspoken thoughts the dumb desires the wants and ways of beasts he felt the crouching tiger's thrill the terror of the ambushed prey and with the eagles he had shared the ecstasy of flight and poise and swoop and he had lain with sluggish serpents on the barren rocks uncoiling slowly in the heat of noon he sat beneath the bow-tree's contemplative shade wrapped in buddha's mighty thought and dreamed all dreams that light the alchemist has wrought from dust and dew and stored within the slumberous poppy's subtle blood he knelt with awe and dread at every shrine he offered every sacrifice and every prayer felt the consolation and the shuddering fear mocked and worshipped all the gods enjoyed all heavens and felt the pangs of every hell he lived all lives and through his blood and brain there crept the shadow and the chill of every death and his soul like mazeppa was lashed naked to the wild horse of every fear and love and hate the imagination had a stage in shakespeare's brain whereon were set all scenes that lie between the morn of laughter and the night of tears and where his players bodied forth the false and true the joys and griefs the careless shallows and the tragic deeps of universal life from shakespeare's brain there poured a niagara of gems banned by fancy's seven-hued arch he was as many-sided as clouds are many-formed to him giving was hoarding sowing was harvest and waste itself the source of wealth within his marvellous mind were the fruits of all thought past the seeds of all to be as a drop of dew contains the image of the earth and sky so all there is of life was mirrored forth in shakespeare's brain shakespeare was an intellectual ocean whose waves touched all the shores of thought within which were all the tides and waves of destiny and will over which swept all the storms of fate ambition and revenge upon which fell the gloom and darkness of despair and death and all the sunlight of content and love and within which was the inverted sky lit with the eternal stars an intellectual ocean toward which all rivers ran and from which now the isles and continents of thought received their dew and rain End of section eight.
End of part one of the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, volume three, lectures, Shakespeare, Dresden edition.